It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I love 40s. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 625 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, December the 19th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you are checking out the Locked On Podcast Network where we have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. we got all 32 NFL teams covered. We've got 28 NHL teams on the go now as well whole bunch of baseball as well with all your hot stove action from the off season so please consider subscribing rating and reviewing to the shows that you uh, want to support it's very helpful for rankings and algorithms and all that good stuff all those buzzy podcast words that we all love to throw around without any understanding of what they actually mean uh all right on today's show uh first of all hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode where we drafted all of the moments from the decade for the raptors it was a lot of fun you can still vote if you're listening to this in the morning on wednesday you probably have like an hour or so to vote on who won the draft between myself katie and vivek and uh, please vote for me I, I i can only i only have like six twitter accounts i have access to and i can only stuff the ballot so much yes i stuffed the ballot i don't care i'm still losing anyway so karma's come around to bite uh, but please go and vote there it was a lot of fun that episode and uh hope you check it out that'll be evergreen so you can listen to it anytime that you please uh all right on today's show the toronto raptors beat the detroit pistons last night in detroit 112.99 uh, a fun game for, for most for the most part a really great Kyle Lowry game Pascal Siakam was six of 11 from three and he continues to be just the high volume monster from downtown all of a sudden OG Ananobi had a nice game but there was a bit of a downer note to the game because a couple injuries took place Marcus Saul in the first quarter left the game with what looked like a pretty serious hamstring injury and then Norm Powell late in the game took a shot on a screen uh, or got hit by a screen from Blake Griffin and went down and looks like he's done some real damage to the shoulder he hurt last year and missed 21 games with. And joining me to talk about all of that and so much more is one of the hosts of the That's a Wrap podcast for Raptors HQ uh, and a whole bunch more. He does lots of great stuff. He's on CBC all the time. It's Jay Rosales. Jay, what's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, what a bittersweet game that was last night. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, you hit it all in the head in terms of like what what all the positives were and as well as the, the, the big negatives. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to uh, discuss it more in depth. Uh, I don't know. Overall, how, how'd you feel about the game actually? I mean, obviously the injuries kill it a little bit, but we can get to the injuries and sort of the ramifications in the second and third segments. We'll start off positive as we're wont to do on this show. And I mean, this was such a vintage Kyle Lowry game. I don't even know where to begin with it. He had a triple double 20, 10 and 10, uh, just five of 17 from the field, but he hit a couple threes and he was just... Kyle Lowry all over the place, man, using his ass to gain space a few times last night. 
he he really seems in year whatever 15 it is for him now to have perfected the when he's running a pick and roll and he's got a defender on his hip just like pushing him off with his ass and creating like 10 feet of space for him to pull up either from three or from mid-range um he did that a couple times last night the pick and roll chemistry with Serge Ibaka that was not really there for a while uh, after they both returned definitely came back in a big way last night. Ibaka had himself a fantastic game, and a lot of it was just Lowry serving it up on a platter for him. Uh, just a, a really lovely game from from Lowry. Some of the passes he was throwing were just absurd. A couple times he hit Serge on the run were just like, okay, yeah, I guess you can do that too. Like I just. Had a ton of fun watching Kyle last night, even with the bad shooting night. I just don't care about the shooting nights at this point. He was 3-6 from downtown. That's what matters to me. He was a plus 15. He had a couple steals. He did everything. What did you think of Kyle's game last night? I thought it was amazing. I think that, you know, the fact that he is now, has he now has more triple-double than all Raptors uh, combined, I believe, in franchise history. He's up to 13 now, and every other Raptor combined is up to, is at 12. So, uh, a testament to his his goat status in, in terms of the, the the pecking order of greatest Raptors of all time, um, but yeah, I loved his game and and you know you you already mentioned it the the pick and roll game with Serge Ibaka was just great to see. I mean, since they both came back from injury, both of them have been kind of you can kind of tell that the bounce wasn't there for Serge over the, those first few games. Still kind of get working out some of those kinks in his ankle, and uh, it was great to see that pick and roll game back and. We're going to see a whole lot more of it over the next few games, but it was great to see that that's still there and they're still clicking and we're going to see a whole lot more of that. Um, as it pertains to other Raptors, uh, you know, you mentioned Pascal Siakam, six three-pointers, which is just, that's just unfair, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, coming into the season with, with, with the amount of hype going into what he can bring to this, this team and, and how he can make up for uh, Kawhi Leonard's uh, departure, Man, that is just great to see. And although his shot doesn't look like it's, uh, I don't know, there's something in the way he shoots that it's not like Ray Allen-esque. No one ever is <laughs> Ray Allen-esque. But like the way in which he shoots, there's a bit of a, um, it's like a slow movement to it. And it almost lulls you to sleep. And next thing you know, it's dropping through the rim. So uh, I love seeing that. And, you know, because of Kyle's, I guess, return to his regular form, and you know, being that instrument, very instrumental on the defensive end, and, and let's not forget OG Ananobi's impact, that allowed Pascal to be a little bit more active on the defensive end. I, I think after halftime is when Nick Nurse made the switch, um, switching set Siakam off of Blake Griffin and onto Bruce Brown, and that just opened up his game defensively. He could be more of that free safety. Ended up the game with four blocks, so. Um, Pascal was just great on both ends of the floor. And, you know, I already pointed out, uh, I mentioned a little bit about OG Ananobi, but geez, uh, those spin moves that he was, he was dropping, I haven't <laughs> seen that many in, I don't know, ever in a game from this guy. So that must have brought a little tear to, to Pascal's eyes. But, um, yeah, great to see OG adding that spin move in there. And, well, I mean, it, it is Detroit. I mean, I don't think they really have anyone to defend us. So great to see all around. Yeah, the Siakam OG pairing was really, really nice in this one. Uh, still amazing that the Spurs didn't get either of them in the trade. <laughs> Siakam, yeah, I like the point you made about his defense and how, you know, I think he is kind of destined to be more of a free safety type defender anyway, right? He's so athletic, he can kind of cover a lot of ground in one single leap. 
And, you know, as much as I think he's a good on-ball defender, I think we've seen him get blow by, blown by a little bit this season and kind of throughout his career. He's not terribly quick laterally, which is kind of surprising considering how fast he is. It's just in a straight line. But he, I think just because he's so gangly, he can kind of get blown by a little bit more often than you'd like to see from like your ace on ball defender. But he makes up for that with just flying around and he's got the the blocks in transition and he's got the blocks in the half court where he's coming out of the corner. And I think that's kind of the better use for him. And you should use him that way when you have OG to be your on ball defender. And look, last night they were kind of in tough because the Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond front court, as much as we make fun of, fun of the Pistons, like that's a pretty tough duo to guard, even with Blake Griffin not being at 100%. And I'm not surprised they had Siakam try to guard Griffin early on just to try to match size for size. But you even saw it there. And that's always been a matchup that Siakam struggled with. And I'm not surprised that it wasn't terribly effective in the first half for the Raptors either to have him on Blake. Um, so I like the switch that you mentioned and, you know, just freeing him up to just kind of be a maniac and also not expend all of the energy guarding guys one-on-one and sort of using it in short bursts. Um, you know, it wasn't like a, an all-encompassing, incredible defensive performance from Siakam, but there were five or six plays where it's like, oh shit, this guy still has a, a lot to offer on the defensive end as more of a sort of uh, opportunistic defender, kind of playing defense the way he played offense last season in a way where, you know, he's not always sort of dominating the action, but when he's there, uh, he's, you know, put, put himself into a pretty good situation to succeed and he's being really opportunistic. And so that was great to see. And the three-point shooting again, I know I talked about this on my solo show on Tuesday about the Cavs game, but the fact that his volume is just continually rising and the efficiency is not falling off from three, at least the true shooting is at about 55 and a half right now, which is obviously not where you'd love it considering he's weirdly struggling from two. But I, I think it's far more encouraging what Siakam's doing from downtown than it is concerning what he's doing from inside the arc. And I, I am just thrilled to see where this goes because you have to think that the shot selection is going to get a little better. There were a couple times last night where, you know, there was like an 18 footer that he just could not possibly pass up. He just was like, nope, I need to take this shot for some reason. I feel like that'll be sort of taken out of his game as the season goes along here. And he continues to sort of settle into what his new shot chart is. And it's a, it's really tantalizing, man, because he's almost up to seven threes a game attempted and he's at 39%. And most of them are above the break. Most of them are much more difficult than last year. And it's a really startling thing to watch. And then OG, as you mentioned, I mean, the spin moves, the off the bounce game, the just the strength that he has on his drives. He had one post up where he I think he might have had like Bruce Brown or someone on him posted it up, posted him up for like five seconds, turned around, picked up an and one and just there was no chance in hell he was going to be stopped. He's so goddamn strong. I, I like there was a time where he picked up an offensive foul for like bowling over Blake Griffin. And as we saw later in the game, when Griffin knocked Norman Powell, that is not an easy dude to just knock over. And OG just like pushed him over and knocked him to the ground with ease. And it's ridiculous. I did not really envision OG becoming the strongest man in the world, but he kind of is that at this point. It's 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 ridiculous. And I don't know. I'm. I, I guess he's taking to heart the whole. All right, maybe he's this year's Pascal, making a leap type of thing because of the spin moves and all that stuff. He's really sort of living up to that narrative. I am uh, having a blast watching OG lately, man. He's just, he's a perfect complimentary player to sort of stick next to all the other guys they have in the starting five. And things are going to get more difficult for him, I think, because there's no Marcus Saul out there, presumably for the next little while here. But, you know, what we've seen from OG so far is like the fifth guy in the lineup has been bloody impressive. And I uh, can't wait to see how that develops over the course of the year. 
Jay, any lingering thoughts on Pascal or OG before we move on to the uh, the sadness? <laughs> I, I actually not, nothing additional in terms of Pascal and OG, but more of an overarching thing. I mean, entering this game, the Pistons were the fourth ranked team in three point percentage, and they were hitting about twelve threes a game. Uh, the Raptors limited them to only six three pointers and seventeen percent shooting. So, I mean, that's another promising sign that you know, regardless of what injuries uh, the team is going to be enduring. Um, that this defense is just outstanding and will will find something that you're good at and just limit the hell out of it. So, yeah, another promising sign. And uh, I guess I guess we should talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah. So we'll get to the injuries in just one sec. But first, I want to tell people about Casper. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NBA. That's just locked NBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-N-B-A. At checkout, terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. That is LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, so let's get into the injury stuff, Jay. This uh, First of all, we're recording this at like 9.30 a.m. on Wednesday, so we don't yet have information about what the extent of the injuries to Gasol and Norman Powell is. But considering you know Gasol was unable to return after leaving in the first quarter and Norm looked like he was in a heap of pain uh, when he took the shot from Blake Griffin, I'm assuming they're going to be out of the lineup for a little while here. Again, I don't want to jump to conclusions. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if Norm Powell separated his shoulder or not, but last year he separated that same left shoulder and missed 21 games. So I, I don't know if that's the timeline we're working with here. We'll see. Hopefully some good news comes down today as they're reevaluated in Toronto, but not looking great for Norm. Gasol I'm a little less certain on because hamstrings are weird, and I am, again, not a doctor even a little bit, so we'll see on that, but... I don't know. Let's start with Gasol. Assuming he is out for some time here with the hamstring, what does this mean, do you think, for the rotation? Where do you think this is going to hurt the Raptors the most, Jay? Uh, I think it, it's going to hurt um, more so on the defensive end just, just because he's such his high cue is so high and he's like the defensive anchor out there. And, you know, he really is – it really is uh, as as – much as we talk about how he's a former defense player of the year and how, as, as much as we talk about how how he's been able to, for example, he's got the Embiid game as his highlight of the season right now, and everyone will talk about that. But really just his impact on that and and is really going to be felt. Um, I know that this the, the benefit of the way this roster has been constructed is that, yeah, you have someone like a Serge Ibaka that you can just kind of insert there, um, which offers a different element, right? I mean... I imagine on the offensive end, again, as we mentioned earlier, the the pick and roll game with Lowry should be great, and that that'll be fine. It's it's on the defensive end where we're really gonna it's it's gonna hurt. Uh, on the flip side, though, I mean, we've seen what happened when Ibaka went down and Boucher stepped up, and 
I'm really looking forward to seeing him kind of elevate his game again. He's going to get the minutes all over again. He's going to jump into that role that that he did while Ibaka was down. And uh, I'm really hopeful that he can do well. Um, it's funny when this this had shades of the New Orleans Pelicans game where both Lowry and Ibaka went down. And the difference now is that when we were going through this then, there was a lot of hesitation, right? I mean, that, that was a time when the Raptors only had the, uh, Nick Nurse was using his seven or eight man rotation and our bench was unproven. And now we're in a different spot. The The bench has been, has proven to show up very, very well. Like RHJ and, and Boucher are really going to step up and, and get some elevated minutes, especially Terrence Davis. Uh, but now we have a bit of a history to work with, right? That they have been able to step up. Um, but referring back to your question about Gasol, uh, the, there's going to be a bigger onus on, on Ibaka to fill in on the offensive end and for uh, RHA to step in and, you know, help out on the offensive rebounding end and his playmaking ability. Playmaking ability. So um, I think everyone will step up. I think it'll be fine. Um, I guess my more concern is that what does this mean um, for Gasol down the road? Is this, I, I'm hoping this is not one of those injuries where it'll it'll hamper his ability to perform well when if and when he does come back, um, and how Boucher is gonna to answer the call of having more minutes. I mean, he's shown the ability to step up, and I am confident he will he will do well in that role. Um, and I guess one other one final point about Gasol. Uh, the timing of the injuries and the timing of them are always bad, but I think the timing of his injury is actually pretty good for Gasol because, you know, we've already seen his minutes go down a bit uh, compared to last season. And I think this is a pretty good time for him to take some rest. And if and when he comes back, he'll be fully healthy. It'll be probably, I don't know. I, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm assuming you, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to guess how long he's going to be out for but I think some rest for the for the big guy is, is certainly in order. And um, yeah, he'll be primed and ready. I, I'd rather have the, the injury happen now than in, in mid-March. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, try to keep the everything is fine hat on over here. <laughs> yeah, look, I think there are going to be some things that obviously change for the Raptors here with Okasal. I think their offense is going to have to become way more dependent on the Lowry, Abaka, and Lowry Siakam pick and rolls. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just they might become a little bit more predictable as that might be their only real way to create stuff in the half court. And look, I mean, they do that pretty well. Last night against the Pistons, most of their best possessions were out of the pick and roll with Lowry and Ibaka. Um, Ibaka made a couple of really nice passes, in, in particular one to the corner for Siakam for a three. Um, so I think they can make that work for sure. I think the defense should still be pretty good. You know, Ibaka is not the same sort of all-encompassing defender that, that Gasol is, but I think he can be pretty good around the rim, and I think they should still be fine in that regard. Maybe they get a little bit more um, sort of collapsy around the ring, rim like they were in the, sort of the early days without Ibaka and, and, and Lowry, where they were just kind of crashing the basket and just arms flailing everywhere as they tried to defend the rim. You can't really rely on Gasol to be that last line of defense as much anymore, um, so that might change things a little bit with how they guard the rim. You know, we might see more of that Siakam, you know, free safetying and, and help side defense protecting the rim too which is not necessarily a bad thing and yeah it just it it makes everything a little less smooth right and there's going to be less margin for error there's going to be you know less fewer aesthetically pleasing beautiful like passes whipped around by Gasol which is a bummer for all of us but on that note I mean this is not you know the, the, the point you made I think of the timing is pretty good and the fact that you know 
again, you never want an injury to happen, but if it's going to happen, you know, after a long stretch where he's probably played too many minutes, it's probably not the end of the world. If he takes some time off here to just sort of, you know, gain his lungs back a little bit. And I, I think this could be one of those things where down the line, it's a little bit of a, of a blessing because it's just that much more load taken off of him. And also, if you're looking at the upcoming schedule for the Raptors, you're not coming across any of the teams that Gasol is absolutely essential against. They have the uh, Wizards on Friday. That's fine. You don't need Gasol necessarily for that game. That's cool. You get the Mavericks coming up. The Mavs, like, yes, Gasol would be nice to match up with Porzingis, but Porzingis doesn't really play center all that much anyway. And you know, he's not a very good post player as it is. So I, I don't think you're worried too much about Porzingis killing Ibaka uh, in like any sort of d- dramatic way. And honestly, if they're running the offense through Porzingis, you're fine with that. And they won't have Luca. That's probably a game you can survive without Gasol as well. And you have the Pacers. That might be the tough one with Demonis Sabonis. Uh, like that's a, that's a really tough matchup for, for Ibaka, I think, just strength-wise. So that could be a bit of a problem on Monday. But then you have the Celtics twice, who don't really have a center to speak of, who scares you. You have the Thunder. Yes, Steven Adams is good, but it's the Thunder. You're probably okay. You get the Cavs, the Heat, the Nets, the Blazers, and the Hornets. It's not like a murderer's row of centers that, you know, Marc Gasol is needed to really shut down. And look, you're going to, again, the rebounding is going to be an issue a couple of those teams are really aggressive offensive rebounding teams between the Thunder and the Nets and the Heat as well are pretty good on the glass and that could be a problem physically. But I think this stretch of games is probably one that you're okay to survive without Gasol. And like that's 11 games. If he misses 11 games, that's a bummer. But, you know, hopefully it's less than that in any way and you can get him back for that tail end of that stretch that I just mentioned. So I don't think it's the end of the world. I, it sucks, obviously, for Gasol and for the Raptors in general to not have him around just because he just kind of ties everything together. He's the nice bow makes the Christmas present attractive but you know I think they can muck it up a little bit and get a little ugly for the next little while here without him and and probably survive I, I so another guy who I think might really benefit from this as well is Rondé Hellish Jefferson so yeah. you know he's kind of been the ugly duckling of the rotation the last couple of games here but as I mentioned this two days ago on the podcast, on the Cavs podcast that I talked about, you know, how he doesn't really fit next to Ibaka because of the spacing issues and the fact that, you know, Ibaka spacing to the corner is not as effective as him on the roll, but it might make more sense to space him because Rondé can't shoot at all. In this situation, if Ibaka is going to be starting, I think you have a chance to sort of bring back that Rondé, Boucher, uh, insane offensive rebounding, aggressive and fun front court that works so well while they were without Ibaka. And I think you can have Rondé essentially be your backup center. He He's a really off, aggressive offensive rebounder. He's pretty good on the glass either way. He you know kind of plays above his 6'7 stature in that regard. And as a roller and a guy on, who can make plays, you know, as the dive man, you could do a lot worse. He's not a great finisher. He got absolutely blocked into oblivion last night by, I think, Andre Drummond when he uh, screened and rolled for his first time out there last night after, after Gasol went down. But... For the most part, he makes pretty good decisions on the on the roll, and you know he can find cutters and stuff like that. And I think he can kind of fill in as your de facto backup center, even if he's not the biggest guy in the world. So I think we could see a bit of a, a rendezvous here as uh, he <laughs> kind of gets a chance to, to come back. And do you agree with me on that? And what do you think we should expect from Ronde in terms of minutes and roll uh, while Gasol's out? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you hit it on the head in terms of uh, Hollis Jefferson, or or as. Matt Devlin keeps calling him Hustle Jefferson. Um, his his passing is just amazing. It, it really is underrated. And 
him playing that role of backup center um, and, and maybe playing a lot and that energy alongside Boucher. And again, I don't know if the, if the, the bench is going to be Terrence Davis or, 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 oh my gosh, Pat McCaw. I don't know, but with Hollis <laughs> Jefferson there as, as your backup center, I think that's, that's great on, on multiple ends, right? I mean, he, you're right. He, ha- he does play above his stature and I believe he has the wingspan of like seven foot something. So Absolutely, he can he can hold his own both down low and off in the perimeter when he switched out there. Um, so yeah, I I look forward to seeing him kind of reemerge as that crowd favorite he was for that small little bit earlier in the season. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing that that happen not only now but as a precursor to down the road. Where because as we go down the road and we look at how the season progressed and <clears throat> managing the the times of each of our our starters rhj's role is going to continue to i think increase in terms of uh load management and Mm -hmm. in terms of minutes he's going to have to play so this is a good time for him to kind of showcase his skills again and kind of plant himself in as a permanent rotation player because i think that his his minutes once uh ibaka returned were were kind of off you know, he'd, he'd have some games mm-hmm. where he played less than five minutes. And then last night, he only played 13. But even last night, in 13 minutes, he still amassed three steals. So it, it kind of gives you that that feel of, okay, he's, he's ready. He's ready to make that that next step in his uh, progression as a Raptors rotation player. So, um, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Definitely. It should be a lot of fun uh, to watch Rondé back on his bullshit because uh, his bullshit rules. Uh, one other note, just before we move on to Norm Powell, I think Abaka is going to have to be closer to what he was last night than he has been or than he was in his first few games back after injury. Um, obviously, that goes without saying he's going to have to be really good offensively. He's going to have to carry quite a load. And I think the ugliest times without Gasol in the near future are going to be the times where Abaka sort of reverts back to those slippery fingers and the sort of missing bunnies around the rim. If he's doing what he did last night, I think they should be pretty okay because 25 and 13, that was a, a really great Abaka game, much like it was at the start of this season and, and you know during last season as well when he was really excellent. And uh, I, I am pretty confident that Abaka is kind of rounding back into form, so that's good. I, I think they're going to need him quite a bit here. Let's move on to Norman Powell, but first let me tell you about Breaking Tea. If you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. It's great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn, and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. They've got a lot of Raptor stuff up there, a lot of Kawhi stuff and Pascal stuff from the playoffs, as well as a lot of Blue Jay stuff. Vlad's on a bunch of t-shirts. You've got a bunch of TFC shirts as well. Uh, make sure you're going to breakingtea.com slash locked on and uh, perusing the Toronto site to get some fun sports gifts for the people in your life. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, All right, let's get to the Norman Powell injury. 
Again, we don't yet know what his status is going to be. I'm going to assume he's going to miss quite a bit of time here considering the amount of pain he looked to be in and the history he has with that left shoulder. And let's hope I'm wrong. But if he misses, say, 15 to 20 games here, what does this mean, Jay, for the rotation and who fills in for him and just sort of the Raptors' health as a team as a whole? Because it's such a fucking bummer, man. He's been playing so well, his first ever three-game stretch with uh, 20 points or more leading into this one. He wasn't great last night, but they didn't really need him to be because Siakam and OG and Lowry were carrying the day, Abaka as well. But like a lot of times over the last little while here, when the Raptors have gotten into sort of some muckiness on offense, Powell's been there to bail them out. They don't have that anymore now for the foreseeable future, presumably. What do you make of this injury to Powell and what it's going to mean for the team and sort of how the rotation shakes out? Uh, before I answer that question, can you remind me at what point in the fourth quarter did that happen? Like, was that like after the six minute mark? Was it like near the, the tail end? Because I can't remember. I think it was what... early. I think it was like early fourth, like a couple early minutes. In. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just, I was going to kind of put the blame on how the Raptors were playing to that point. And what I mean by that is the, the Raptors, this really should have been those 20 to 30 point blowouts but the Raptors started the fourth quarter I believe shooting two of 15 so it kind of allowed the Pistons stick around and also kind of forced Powell to stay in the game and a part of me wonders like well if it was a 20 to 30 point game and it's one of those games where okay the fourth quarter is just garbage time then maybe Norm's not out there and maybe he doesn't re-injure his shoulder but that's that's a what if scenario that we'll never know um, as it pertains to the injury, yeah, that really does suck because this is really the best stretch of games he's ever had in his career. Uh, we he's he's kind of been known as Mister Inconsistent, and when he has his highs, we 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 love him to part, and that's what we felt over the past few games. Um, and and now this is just like like to your point, it's just a horrible horrible injury for him to go through right now at this point because. When he does come back, you know, there will be some tentativeness there, right? And, um, you know, we, we saw the, that he did miss 21 games last year with the same injury. Um, you know, if, if I were to compare the inju- injuries between this and Gasol, I would almost argue that Gasol's seems worse because his was non-contact. But at the same time, mm-hmm. this is the same shoulder. And I, I just saw an image of, of what he looked like, and it was a bad image. And I don't know. It, it sucks all around. Um, with... In terms of like what happens moving forward, I think a couple things could happen. A, like with with Fred VanVleet, hopefully, hopefully coming back by Friday, um, mm-hmm. at least the starters are, are kind of intact there. Um, but similar to what we were saying earlier about Rondé Hollis Jefferson stepping up and Chris Boucher stepping up, I think this is a time for Terrence Davis to kind of reemerge again as as that um, very important and pivotal bench player um he's had spurts of it throughout um i I really can't explain all of the the ticky tack fouls he keeps getting called for maybe a lot of it is his fault as a rookie but i really am hoping that he can kind of come out of his shell a bit you know he has he has an amazing three-point shot and he has that energy and the defensive intensity is there i think that he can really step in and fill in that norm role uh and actually, he's a bit more versatile than Norm, right? Norm, Norm I see, is more of a you know straight shooter, uh, up and down, like straight, what do you mean by straight line drive to the basket and the occasional threes. 
Terrence Davis, his, I believe his percentages are fairly close to norms um, and he can knock them down and he does provide that spark, but he also has that. Uh, I, I see him as more of an active defender than the norm Powell. Yeah. And I think that he can really step in and, and really shine uh, during norms uh, absence. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I think Terrence Davis stands to gain the most from this injury for sure. And yeah, like Fred Van Vliet coming back helps to numb the pain a little bit of losing Norm just because, you know, you have your starting lineup kind of back intact. Obviously, you don't have Gasol there, but, you know, Lowry, Fred, Siakam, OG, Ibaka, front or starting five is fine. And then Davis, I think, you know, of all the guys on the Raptors who, if they were to go down to, like, he... Terrence Davis is the most like-for-like replacement of anybody on the team, right? Outside of, like, maybe Lowry going down and Fred Van Vliet kind of filling in the same role that he has. Like, Davis is a lot like Powell in that he's a little bit volatile. He's explosive. He can kind of do something against the compromised defense. His drives and his finishes lately have been just a wonder to watch, like kind of mind-bending at times, like the way he's able to contort himself and just sort of power and speed through a lot of traffic to find that little window to put the, the ball up off the glass. And that's been really fun. And I look forward to watching more of that from Terrence Davis. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be asked, I think a little bit less once Fred's back and, and sort of filling in for the norm minutes to, you know, have to create and, and, and sort of run the offense. And, and look, I think he's been pretty good at that. He had three assists in 12 minutes last night. He's been pretty good when it comes to setting guys up. But I do think maybe a bit of a lessened burden in terms of like running pick and roll and stuff like that will be good for him. He can kind of just focus on being a bit of an agent of chaos a little bit and sort of, you know, again, attacking closeouts, taking his threes and stepping stepping into them the way he does so well. I think Davis has a chance here. And look, man, he he has been good all year when he's played. He just hasn't had a ton of opportunities since they've gotten more healthy. And, you know, you look at some of the, the advanced metrics and the total points added and stuff like that from NBA math and a, and a bunch of the other advanced stuff. Davis has been, by a lot of metrics, the best rookie in the league. <laughs> you know, obviously yeah. John Morant has more like sort of sexy numbers and stuff like that. But in terms of just like impact on the floor on defense and offense, Terrence Davis has been fantastic. And so... I think while the Norm injury sucks, and more than anything else, it sucks for Norm, um, I think the Raptors can weather this one a little bit more easily than they can weather the Gasol injury. Like Things change a little bit more Gasol-related than they do Norm-related. You're going to miss Norm's outbursts, obviously, and if things get sticky offensively with that Lowry Ibaka pick-and-roll or the Fred Ibaka pick-and-roll, there's not going to be someone to bail it out at the end of the clock with a drive or or a three-point shot, but I think Davis can do a pretty decent job of filling in for what Norm does, you know, this could, the injury could lead to a bit of a drop off from the three point range again, once again, for the Raptors, you know, they've had a bit of a, a, a snapback to sort of league average ish over the last little while after being horrible for a stretch there. I wonder if Norm not being there to just fire those quick fire threes in transition and, you know, off the catch, if that's going to hurt them, but you know, Davis can do that as well. He's a little bit, bit more volatile, a little less reliable and proven as a three point shooter, but I think he can kind of fit in there too. Uh, we should also probably talk about what this means for Patrick McCaw. I know you sort of mentioned his name and got a little bit uh, queasy. When, 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 <laughs> at least I could sense it in your voice. Uh, I think Nick Nurse is talking me into Patrick McCaw more than I ever thought I'd be talking to Patrick McCaw. He doesn't really do anything on the floor, but maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Like he does make smart passes. He's a pretty good guard defender. Um, would you expect that? If Fred's not back, we're going to see McCaw start. I think that's a bit tough for spacing, especially without Gasol out there. But I don't know. Nurse seems to love him. He played 27 minutes last night. 
I, I could see McCaw starting. I'm not sure I like it, but again, he's doing better things lately. He's kind of gotten into the flow of the offense a little bit. He's not shooting ever, <laughs> but he's still <laughs> moving the offense along in a totally competent way. And I don't know, are you concerned about the potential explosion of McCaw minutes? Are you thinking Davis might eat more of those minutes than McCaw? How are you feeling about that? I don't know what to make of this. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I don't have enough of a, um, I guess I haven't been paying enough attention about McCaw's game to have a really valid um, opinion on him. And that's probably <laughs> a tribute to, you know, his lack of uh, offensive numbers, I guess you could say. So uh, I know the benefits of him. I know that, you know, he, he, he does, he doesn't screw up too much for, for lack of a better term. And that's a benefit, I guess. It's 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 a warm body that won't screw you up when uh, you're playing with your starters, right? And that's what he would be as a potential fifth starter, is just you know, don't screw up anything and and uh, hold down the fort until the um, till the Terrence Davis, Ryan DeHellis, Jefferson, Chris Boucher trio enters the game because that trio, by the way, has a net rating of eleven point seven, which is not too shabby. Um, but mm-hmm. but back to McCaw, yeah, I, I I'm I agree that I I could see him actually being a starter. That that's just the way Nurse is. Uh, I I'm just a little bit baffled by it because I really don't know. Like, does, is he holding like nude pictures of Nick Nurse somewhere? Is he holding him <laughs> ransom? Like, I don't know. Like, what is it that that it is that that's allowing him to play more minutes than Terrence Davis? Who again, we we've, we've both outlined. Yes, Terrence Davis is a rookie and he has his. There's there's a lot of volatility with his game, but I would much rather have that volatility than this boring steadiness that Patrick McCaw offers. If, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I, uh, I I would expect we'll see the minutes between McCaw and Davis be sort of even because yeah, I think Davis kind of plays himself into more minutes when he's playing well. He's just like you know, Nurse seems cool with running with him when he's great and. To reunite that Davis Boucher Ronde one two three, I think is going to be pretty tantalizing, and and I wonder how Nurse is going to manage the rotations and stuff like that. Is he going to try to you know keep a couple of starters out there with that with that threesome, or is he going to go super bench and have McCaw with that group? I'm not sure. Those are all questions that I guess will play out over the course of the coming days here as we kind of get acquainted to life without Marcus Saul and Norman Powell. Um, I think that's probably a good place to lead this, though, Jay. We've kind of covered it pretty exp- expansively. And if anything comes out that sort of runs counter to our presumptions about Marcus Saul's injuries later today, we'll hit on that tomorrow on the show. Um, I think we're going to try to get Katie Heindel on the podcast tomorrow to have some fun. Uh, if not, we'll just do a regular old podcast about the uh, the injuries and stuff like that uh, and look ahead to the Wizards and the Mavericks over the weekend. So that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This was a lot of fun. Where can people check out your work? Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, you can check out uh, my work on Raptors HQ. Uh, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning of the pod, we have the That's a Rap podcast, which is also on Raptors HQ. Uh, my weekly uh, wrap-up article, which talks about the games of the week, can also be found there. And one really quick point I want to make about um, your your all decades pick, which is an outstanding podcast. The only omission <laughs> I just want to quickly bring up is my favorite moment of the decade. And this is not because I'm on your pod, but the Ross dunk on Fareed had mm. to have been mentioned at some point. And I was, 
I was a little disappointed it wasn't, but at the same time, I'm glad I got to throw it out here. So that's that's my two cents on the best moments of the decade. I appreciate your two cents, and uh, you know because that you talked about Terrence Ross, it actually converts to about fifty cents, uh, fifty one cents actually. That's the conversion rate. So <laughs> thanks for that. Um, yeah, no, I, I was glad that we got Terrence Ross, both the 51 point game and his dunk contest in there as I coerced Katie into picking it. So yes. can't be too upset about the lack of uh, dunk on Fareed's head. That's probably one of the plays of the decade though, for sure. Um, along with most other things Terrence Ross did because he's a beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, all right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, I'll have a podcast tomorrow and then I'll have a podcast Saturday morning, most likely talking about the Wizards game. So stay tuned for that. Uh, enjoy the Giannis LeBron bowl tonight and all that good stuff. I'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, Jay, thanks again for coming on buddy. And, uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, wherever you get your podcasts to both this show and all of the locked on podcast network offerings. we got the Hollinger and Duncan show for the uh, NBA people up there. We've got the locked on fantasy hockey and base uh, basketball shows, fantasy football too, actually. So you can check that out too. Um, it's much appreciated when you, subscribe and rate and support all the shows. It's it's a really nice thing to do. And we'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.